What's up, everybody? Kurt McCaslow here. Welcome to the stream. Today is a super, super exciting day. Uh, before I get into that, first, I uh, wanted to quickly talk about why I'm doing all of these uh, live streams. So I am actually partaking in a challenge called the LIDA challenge. And LIDA stands for Live Every Day in August. So for this entire month, August 2020, I am going live seven days a week, uh, yes, even on the weekends. And it has been such an adventure. I have, you know, learned so much during this process. Um, I'm always trying to pro provide, you know, just as much value as I possibly can. Uh, but there's a lot of things that I don't personally know myself that I'm not an expert in. So from time to time, I like to try and bring experts on the show. Uh, and the expert that I have today is an expert, the probably the, one of, in my opinion, anyway, the expert in podcasting. He's a Wall Street best-selling author, uh, multiple, you know, books out there. I have them all. They are, you know, some of my favorite books of all times. Uh, he's an international keynote speaker, uh, talks all over the place. Um, he has multiple podcasts, the Smart Passive Income Podcast and Ask Pat, who has millions and millions of downloads, somewhere north of 50 million downloads. Uh, I'm not sure the exact amount, but uh, it is epic. He has grown a massive YouTube channel, uh, over 250,000 subscribers, and the creator of the Smart Passive Income Empire. Uh, just want to welcome my friend, Mr. Pat Flynn. How's it going, Pat? What's up, man? Good to be <laughs> on your show. Thank you. This is uh, I had you on mine a while back, and now you're returning the favor. Just appreciate it so much. Yeah, no, dude. Uh, dude, th this is a complete honor for me. Uh, I was so nervous having you on because, uh, like, to me, like, you are like number one in my book. And, you know, I, I was like, uh, when I started this whole karma cash flow uh, thing, I was like, you know, I, I will know that I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing, you know, if I could ever possibly get you on the show. So this, this is uh, honestly the huge honor for me. Dude, I'm stoked. I'm stoked on it. It's good to see everybody here. I recognize some people. Uh, this is really cool. And I'll see you probably in the next hour and a half for the next stream, actually. But anyway, dude, I'm here to serve you and your audience and congrats on going live. How's it been uh, so far? You, you use the right term adventure. That's it's been definitely an adventure for me as well going live. How, do, how are you feeling about it so far? Yeah, dude, I'm loving this. You know, uh, before this whole leader challenge came up, I was like, you know, I loved doing lives and I was doing them intermittently, but I, it wasn't something I was doing consistently uh, until this leader challenge came up. And now that I'm doing it, it's like, I want to continue doing this. You know, like you, you've done more than 150 days. Like to me, that's just insane. Uh, and you're still going at it, still going strong. And, uh, I mean, I've just learned so much. Uh, I love connecting with everybody um, in uh, on the live streams. It's it's just been so awesome, and I'm gonna continue to do it. Cool. Yeah, me too. So far, I mean, the the interesting thing about mine is like 155 days. It marks like kind of the start of the pandemic, and I cannot believe we're already 155 days in. But I'm thankful for the community that we've built, and I see you're building an amazing one here too. And that's really what it's all about, and it's what we're craving today. And we need human connection and we can't do it really in person anymore. So might as well step up and create that space online. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now for, for those people that, you know, are watching this either live or on the replay uh, that may not possibly know who you are, which is very unlikely, but just in case, uh, could you tell uh, us a little bit about who you are, what you do? Uh, yeah. And you know, I love when there's people who don't know who I am because it means there are that many more people to serve. 
and I, and I love that. Um, my name is Pat Flynn. I started out uh, in my online journey after getting laid off in 2008 from an architecture job, which was in fact my dream job. I got laid off from my dream job, and I'm so thankful for that because I wasn't dreaming big enough. I didn't know that all these opportunities were out there and available to me until I got let go. But in addition to getting let go, I had to let go in my mind of who I thought I was supposed to be. I thought I was supposed to be this uh, hopefully one day world famous architect, but I started out online helping people pass an architectural exam and that business saved my life really. And it saved, um, it's, it, it saved my career, it saved, it saved everything. And from that day, June 17th, 2008, the day I got let go, it took a month or two to kind of get over being upset and, and, and uh, falling into a little bit of depression. But I built this business helping people in the architecture space pass an exam. And then I built what is now known as smartpassiveincome.com, a website to teach people how I did what I did there. And ever since then, I've been sharing information freely online with different businesses that I've created now as well. And just kind of sharing the wins, the failures, the ups and the downs. And uh, just recently then started releasing my own products and courses. And, and I have a membership community now. And now I'm live on, on YouTube and it's just turned into this amazing brand and an, an amazing team, in fact, that helps support really, really committed people who, who want to change uh, e either start a, a, a side gig or uh, go full time because they don't like the job that they have. And I'm so thankful that, um, you know, people are responding and that's turned into best selling books, keynote stages, uh, just an amazing audience, uh, email list of over quarter, uh, a quarter million people. and most importantly, uh, two things, amazing connections with with people around the world like yourself and more time with my family at home. And that's that's what's most meaningful to me is this business has created freedom with time. And I want that for everybody else, too, which is which is why I'm here. Yeah, awesome. Uh, let, let me ask, what was the the date that you actually started the Smart Passive Income uh, blog? October 28th, 2008. Wow. So, so it's just a, a little over a year after that, that I actually started following you. Cause like I, I sent you a, a picture, uh, I think it was August 11th, 2009. I started mm -hmm. to follow you. So I've been following you for a long time. <laughs> Man, you're one of the old school followers. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so why, uh, the term pa like it's smart passive income. Why did you choose passive income? And, you know, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on what you personally feel about the term passive income? Because I know a lot of people are, have kind of this misconception on what that term actually means. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different definitions, depending on who you speak to, if you speak to somebody in real estate, it's different than somebody who is an investor in the stock market, uh, different than a person like me, who's an entrepreneur. And for me, it's building businesses and systems of automation that allow you to have cash flow and transactions and to be able to serve an audience without you having to be there in real time. It's like this idea, some people call it residuals, some people call it just um, not real-time income. Uh, there's there's a lot of different terms, but it's building, for me, businesses that can be set up in a way such that they can continue to pay you back over and over again. And the reason why I focus on passive income is that is ultimately what creates a little bit of that freedom, that that freedom with time, that freedom with, with the ability to you know set up something once and then not forever let it go. There's no such thing, in fact, as 100% passive income. Even in the stock market, you have to manage your portfolio. Even in uh, real estate, you have to manage these properties and your tenants and such. But you can have more flexibility. Now, a lot of people argue with me, well, then what you're teaching is not passive income. But the reason why I selected passive income for my domain name and why it's become a part of my brand is because 
that's ultimately what people are searching for. And if I can show up and get ahead of all those other people, the scammers who are like, hey, get rich quick, this is super easy. I can get up, step ahead and go, hey, this is kind of possible. Number one, there's no such thing as 100% passive income. You're not gonna be sitting on a beach with your laptop on your lap and have money roll in just every day. But let me teach you the right way to do it and how you can do it the smart way, right? In fact, I don't know if you knew this, but my first domain name was in fact, not smart passive income for this brand. It was called Passive Aggressive Income Dude. Wow, I didn't know that. Because <laughs> um, it has an acronym, PAID, P-A-I-D. And I actually hired somebody to draw a cartoon superhero version of this logo. And I looked at the logo and I was like, is that kind of what I'm, is that what I want to be known for? Like passive aggressive income? Like, what does that even mean? I don't know. Um, nah, I think smart passive income is better. And I'm kind of glad I made that decision. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Like that, that, that was the one thing that first drew me to you was the actual name of the blog, smart passive income. And, you know, when, when I first found you, uh, it was actually through a friend, uh, a friend introduced me to, to your blog. Um, and I went to it and I was like, Oh, this guy, you know, seems to know what he's talking about. I was right at that time. I was, you know, starting to get online. Uh, I've been doing a lot of stuff offline prior to that. And I found you and, you know, it, it was a way that you presented yourself and the way that you presented the, the idea of passive income that was unique to what I had seen prior. Um, you know, again, all these, you know, people, oh, you can make a million dollars in, you know, three months and you sit back on, you know, on the beach and so forth. And I was just like, no, this guy's talking something completely different. He knows what's going on. Uh, and I, I, I really enjoyed it, you know, and I thank you for everything that you've put out since. <laughs> hey, Archer, he's like, can you find that cartoon? I literally tried to find it, but I'm actually really glad I haven't been able to. So it was an old eBay transaction. I can't even see it in my account anymore. Oh, wow. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it was a long time ago, for sure. Uh, so wanted to talk to you a little bit about podcasting today, uh, because it's not something that I'm an expert in. It has been something that I've done in the past. In fact, uh, we actually had one of the largest, uh, actually the largest currency trading podcast uh, that, that I knew of in the world uh, with first year downloads, well over 2 million uh, downloads in that first year. Uh, and, but I, I don't consider myself an expert. I haven't really done a lot of podcasting since then. Uh, I even took that podcast down uh, because I killed that business. Um, why did you decide initially to get into podcasting? I initially started to get into podcasting because it was the podcast that I listened to. In fact, that inspired me to get online and turn my knowledge about this exam into a business. And I knew that a podcast was a great way to connect with people because I was connecting with those hosts that I listened to. Specifically, I'm talking about a podcast called Internet Business Mastery, hosted by Jeremy Franson and Jason Van Orden. And even though I never met them in person, I started to develop a relationship with them and started to binge listen to them and, and fall in love with their content. And it was, in fact, a episode that I listened to where uh, they were interviewing a man named Cornelius Fitchner, who was helping people pass the project management exam, the PM exam. And that was my light bulb moment where I was like, hey, I took some exams as an architect, could I teach this stuff? So I always knew that a podcast was a great way to help people, to serve people, to connect with people and to build relationships with an audience. Um, and so I wanted to start one too, to pay it forward. And in December of 2008, I made a decision to start a podcast. This was a few months after I started smartpassiveincome.com. And I bought all this equipment. I spent hundreds of dollars to, to, to get like the top notch equipment. And then I recorded uh, an audio file that was, 
announcement that my podcast was coming. It was my first time recording anything. I still have this recording today, in fact, and I listen to it and I cringe, absolutely cringe, because although the audio quality is great, I'm very timid and shy and I'm like, I don't even know what I'm gonna say. What am I gonna do? I don't even know if this is the, this is right for me, which is funny now, because you know, 65 million downloads later, definitely was the right decision. But the funny thing is that was December of 2008. My first podcast didn't come out until July of 2010, a year and a half later, because I was so afraid of putting myself out there. And every time I tried to get started, it got a little bit difficult. And as many of us do, when things get a little bit difficult with something new, we go back to the thing that we were, we were safe at. And for me, that was blogging. Um, I just didn't know if it was right for me. And of course, now that I've decided to do it and really lean into it with five different shows, over 1500 episodes recorded. It's like, yeah, I think it was the right decision, but that's why, because I, I knew it could connect and help people. And it's definitely proven uh, itself to do that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Your, your, your podcast was the very first podcast I ever subscribed to, so, uh, out of, out of, out of everything. Like when I first found out about podcasts, you know, uh, I, I was looking through business and, and I was like, Oh, there's Pat click done. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, I've listened to just about every single episode since then, uh, on, you know, for smart passive income and ask Pat, uh, as well. Uh, do you think everybody should have a podcast? Personally? Yes. I, I absolutely think, think so. Whether you want to use it for business or not, I think it's still worth doing. And here's why. Number one, you could do it without worrying about what you look like on camera. It's so much easier in that regard than, than YouTube, right? Like if you're doing a podcast, yeah, I mean, you don't even need to wear pants and nobody needs to know I'm wearing pants right now, by the way, I know you can, <laughs> um, I promise you. And I do wear pants when I podcast as well. But anyway, just to say it's a lot easier to create because you're just talking into a microphone and you're having conversations. It's easier than video, but it's not easy. It's, it's simple. Uh, but it takes some practice, right? Your first episodes are going to be bad. You need to be a disaster before you become the master. That's for sure. And the ability for you and, and, and especially young ones, right? Like I think kids should be podcasting more than they should be YouTubing because it's just getting them to learn how to communicate, to connect with others and, and so forth. And it's a lot safer in my opinion than YouTube as well, where there's a lot of trolls and nasty people in the comment sections and such. I also think podcasting is an amazing way to connect with other people in your industry. This is something that has happened time and time again. You invite a guest on, it may or may not be somebody you have a little bit of a relationship with. And after a 30 minute or one hour conversation, you can't help but be buddies after that, right? And then you can help each other out. In fact, some of my best friends are a result of people who I've connected with on my podcast from Chris Ducker to Shaleen Johnson, and now people like Donald Miller, Tim Ferriss, Gary Vaynerchuk. It was all because I had a podcast and it's so awesome that that uh, has happened. And of course, to build relationships with your audience and to build your brand, I think in the future, we're all going to have more personal brands and it's going to be more of an apprentice sort of uh, a mentor mentee situation for people in their businesses and what's helping them make money either on the side or full time. And what better way to stand out than to put your voice out there and have an ability for people to connect with you and your real you. And that's why I love podcasting over things like blogging, because you really hear the intonation and the voicing and podcasting is meant for storytelling and storytelling is something that's been happening before even language was created and cave writings and such. It's what we as human beings respond to. And to me, the podcast medium is just perfect. Yeah, definitely. Do, do you think storytelling plays a big role in all of your podcasts? It, it, it 
it is the most important thing. When I'm on an interview with somebody, my goal is to number one, serve my audience. And the way that I do that is to pull out the story from my guest. The way to do that is if you in fact are interviewing somebody, you can just simply set it up by saying, hey, tell me about a time when blank. And then you sit back and you listen. And these stories become things that people can relate to. They provide context for lessons. Even if I'm providing a post or a podcast episode, it's like top five tips about whatever, live streaming, then I'm gonna tell a story to set up each and every one of those. If you've seen my Superfans presentation on stage, each of my points in my presentation are preceded by a story that sets up that point. And these are the stories that people remember. People remember stories. They don't remember tip number three of your top five Facebook posts tips or something like that, right? They remember the story behind it. And this became very apparent to me because I remember going to a conference after I started my podcast. I was only podcasting every other week and I went to this conference. It was still a very new podcast. And the first person I saw was somebody who brought up a story that I mentioned uh, in a show that was like in one of my first episodes. And it was a story about how when my wife and I had our son, Kaoni, how because we were brand new parents and had, I had just gotten laid off, we didn't have insurance and pregnancy was a pre-existing condition back then. And, and, and our way fighting through that and, and how the business really saved me uh, and, and helped us from going bankrupt because we paid out of pocket in the hospital and he was a month early as well. So um, just stories like that people really connect with. And that's my job as an interviewer is to pull out those stories. Yeah, and you're really good at it as well. Like you, you've had some really amazing people on your show and you just somehow suck every story out of them. It's so important. Like I study it, I learn it. I listen to other podcasts. I'm taking notes about how people tell stories. I watch TED Talks. First five minutes of TED Talks, you often hear a story to start. I learn because I know it's important and I wanna focus on my craft and it would behoove us not to wanna to improve on some of the most important parts of our business. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I try to study storytelling. In fact, um, I just recently went through uh, the Khan Academy's Pixar in a Box. I don't know if you know nice. it. Uh, and I even had my daughter, uh, Lily, go through it um, and just so that she could learn how to tell stories better because I, I thought it was such a integral part of pretty much everything that we do, you know, whether it be we're standing at a party talking with some people or doing something like uh, an interview online, we, we really, you know, I believe we really need stories to, to make that connection um, and to make valid points on, on whatever it is that we want to share as well. For sure. Now, let me ask you, can podcast itself, just having a podcast be a business all its own without having anything secondary? Well, similar to blogging, a podcast is the platform, in my opinion, to which you can then launch a business. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to have other content mediums. You can, in fact, just have a podcast as your content medium, but you still need mechanisms in place to be able to uh, either share items as an affiliate so that you can get paid a commission or you are promoting your own products or events or, or whatnot, or you have a lot of listeners such that you can generate income through advertising. So. Yes, you can make money and have your podcast be the center uh, and the hub of your business. But a podcast to me is not a business. A blog is not a business. A YouTube channel is not a business. It's the platform to which a business can be launched. If, you're, if we're talking about real businesses here. Um, I know some people who take my course, Power Up Podcasting, who uh, one, one of them, Sophie Walker, for example, she is somebody who came into my course uh, three years ago and she started from scratch with no contacts in, in business, no email list, no social media following, nothing. She started her podcast 
to be the mechanism to build that audience. And now three years later, she's had 5 million downloads. She's been the number one podcast in Australia in the kids and family section several times. Her, uh, her podcast is called Australian Birth Stories. She interviews other moms or mums, M-U-M as they call them in Australia, uh, about their birthing story, whether they are pregnant right now or had just gone through a pregnancy. And this helps inspire other moms and make them feel like they can get through it too. And what's really cool about her is she's making money through advertising. She's making money through support from her fans through uh, places like Patreon and such. And government agencies in Australia are requiring their workers in the health field to listen to her show as like part of their curriculum and additional work uh, credit and all this stuff. It's just like mind blowing what has happened. So there's a very clear example of somebody who's started from scratch and their entire business now is a result of the platform that she built on a podcast. Wow. How, how many people have you worked with uh, in your courses and so forth and, and help them reach, you know, any level of success with their podcast? Uh, with the podcast specifically, we have a couple courses. We have a course called Power Up Podcasting, which is uh, the 101 course essentially to help you launch, but also get found. And that course has helped over 3,500 people, which is really cool. And we have a student directory there. We're adding to it every single month from people who are successfully launching. And it's just so cool to see the stories in our uh, student center of people who are launching and getting their first thousand, first 10,000. We've had people who have reached their millions of downloads. We have a secondary course called Amped Up Podcasting. So power up first and then you amp up. And AMP is an acronym for A, uh, um, automation, so that you can take yourself out of the editing and creation process so that you can finally have time to do the M, which is the marketing of your show to grow it even more. And you can only sort of unlock these things I talk about in this course. Once you have a podcast, it would be overwhelming for beginners, which is why we separated it. And then P, which is the profit or the the actual production of a business aspect within your podcast. So um, thousands of people and not to mention my free YouTube channel uh, with a free video series about podcasting that has reached a couple million people, in fact. And I know for a fact that that's helped a lot of people because they say, oh, is that video series from Pat that's actually uh, got them started, which is really cool. It's just crazy how just in this office at home, I'm able to help people in that way. And I think that we all have that, that capability too. Um, it's just so cool. I, I, I'm, I'm so grateful. Yeah. We're, we're, we're grateful for you. <laughs> you know, the, the, the more content you, you put out, like I'm, I'm always going over to your YouTube channel or to, to your podcast blogs, uh, you know, to get either inspiration or to really dig deep and get some really good, you know, nuggets of gold um, on a particular topic that even I, you know, I'm inquiring about. Uh, like podcasting, because again, I'm not an expert in podcasting. And I always have a question. I'm like, you know what? Pat knows this. <laughs> Let me go over to him. Um, when, when someone is starting a podcast, what equipment and stuff do they actually need to start a podcast? You need a good microphone. Uh, and that's kind of it. <laughs> really, it's not as big as you might think. In fact, what I love about what I teach and how I teach podcasting is I try to go for minimum investment for maximum quality. And there are a few microphones out there that are really fantastic. You just plug them in via USB and you're ready to go as far as audio quality. You, you definitely need good audio quality. If you just use your phone or your built-in mic, it's not going to work. If you use like a headset gaming mic, it's not going to work. There's an expectation and a standard of, of, of audio that's essentially required now um, for from the listener, right? Because they're listening for longer periods of time. That's another thing I love about podcasting. When you consider how long people are watching YouTube videos, more than five minutes is doing really well, I found, on YouTube. 
if you're reading a blog post, it's 10 to 15 minutes, right? Maybe, and you're not even reading every single word. But a podcast, you're listening to 30 minutes, an hour, like that, that's, that's absolutely huge. And so the audio quality is really important. The microphones that I recommend, there are two, the Samson Q2U, just Samson Q2U, and also the Audio-Technica ATR2100 um, or ATR2100X because the regular one was discontinued. But those are great, cheap, under $100. In fact, the Samson Q2U is, I think, 60 bucks, and it's just plug and play. You're ready to go, which is really cool. You can also invest in like a boom arm and, and like a foam piece to go on top of it to reduce the plosives and the P and the B words in your, in your voice. And then as far as uh, software to record into, I mean, I used GarageBand for six years, and that's free on any Mac device. Or you can use Audacity, which is a free tool, um, open source on the internet, that you could check out whether you're a, pa uh, a PC or mic user too. Um, the other thing you might need is a software to record interviews with. Skype, I used for eight years. Uh, you could use something like Zoom, although the quality is going to be a little bit lower, especially now that millions of people are on Zoom. And literally, that's it. The other thing that you might need to spend money on is just a podcast host, um, a place like Buzzsprout or Libsyn to drop in your files that that give you all the uh, access to the directories and all those kinds of things like Apple and Spotify and Google, et cetera. So it's not that much. It's not that much. I like to get through all that so that we can get to the content and what you say once you have that equipment. Yeah, it, my, my first mic uh, for my podcast years ago was actually one of those snowball mics. And yeah. I ended up having not to use it because it would pick up everything around me. Like my dogs were, you know, scratching outside, you know, maybe 200 meters away and it would pick it up. Uh, so I ended up actually having to go with the ATR 2100, uh, which was I used for years until you recommended the Samsung Q2U. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go check that thing out. And I actually, I prefer that uh, over the ATR2100. Yeah. What, what, what's the difference between the ATR2100 and the ATR2100X? Um, the ATR2100X is a USB-C connection and it has a little bit more drive, a little bit more power, but honestly, it's 40 bucks more. And for the difference, it's not worth the price in my opinion. And I will say that the Samsung Q2U accessories that come with it, the stand, um, is a lot better quality than the $99 ATR2100X. I did a review where live on my review on camera, like it just snapped in half. And I was like, okay, um, there we go. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just get through the, that equipment and then it's about showing up Then it's about being consistent and getting started. And like I said earlier, it took me a year and a half to get over myself and to finally do it. And you have to be a disaster before you become the master. Like you have to start off rough. And if you just keep waiting till the right time, if you keep waiting till you think you're perfect, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Yeah. You, you know, when I first started my, my first podcast, uh, it was called the Supercharger Trading Podcast. Uh, I actually, I didn't have a problem doing my podcast. Like I, I, I didn't care about my voice. I didn't want anybody to see me. That's actually why I did the podcast versus mm -hmm. doing something like my YouTube channel. Cause I was like, I don't want to be on camera. I don't want anybody to see me because I'm a photographer as well. And I'm like, I'm supposed to be behind the camera, not in front of it. <laughs> um, how, how, like, how consistent do we need to be doing a podcast? Is this something that we need to do every single day, once a week, once a month? What, what does that look like for kind of 
best results. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't recommend every day, although we know some people who have done that, including John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneurs on Fire, who's recently stopped doing every day. He's just insane. He's a machine. He has a team. You're able to do that. And he definitely fast forwarded his results by doing that. But at the same time, he also overwhelmed a lot of his audience because what happens when people subscribe to podcasts is they start to see all these new episodes come in. And if you, you could start to feel behind fairly quickly. Yeah. I think as far as frequency, it's up to you and what you can fit in your schedule. If you try to go daily and you can only go weekly, well, you're going to get burned out. And getting burned out is the last spot that you want to be in. If you can only go bi-weekly to start, which is what I did, because that's all I had time for, then go bi-weekly. Just stay consistent is the most important thing. And if anything, you can ramp things up later. Um, I do know some people who have launched like a blitz where they've launched a lot of episodes up front and then slowed it down just to kind of get that initial uh, rush in the beginning of, of traffic and followers and rankings. And that can work too. But the more consistent you are, like you know, now doing this on a live stream here, um, the more likely you're going to have the same people show up, the more likely you're going to have and build this community, and the more you can actually refine your processes. And that's another reason why to stay consistent is because you can actually optimize your standard operating procedure, your process for doing things in a way where now you're removing your time from it more and more. And you can get to that point where you either have that SOP, that standard operating procedure that you can hand to somebody else to do it for you that you only do the things that only you can do, or you just nailed down that process so much where an episode that used to take you two hours to edit can only take you 15 minutes now, which is, was the case for me when I was doing everything myself for the first six years. So, um, yeah. Yeah, you, you know, you talk a lot about consistency. For people that may have a podcast and they're not, you know, maybe at one point they were consistent, but then they kind of dropped off and they want, to restart it, what does that look like for them? Like, do they just start re-uploading again? Like, what what should that process look like for them? It is a great question because this is very common. There's something called pod fade, which means you start your podcast because you're excited. It's like the honeymoon period. It's like, yeah, everything's cool. And then all of a sudden you hit a brick wall or life gets in the way or other things happen and you kind of forget about the podcast and you haven't uploaded for a few weeks and a few weeks turn into a few months and maybe even a whole year goes by and you, for, you, you haven't really uploaded anything new. And then what happens is you kind of get embarrassed about that. So then you don't want to, you don't want to like start it over again, because then it'll remind people that you ha have this giant gap. Um, so number one, I just recommend for people to just continue on and keep going and not make a huge deal about it. Like, Hey guys, I was away for a year. Guys, remember I was gone for a whole year. I didn't provide value to you for a whole year, but here I am back. That's what often happens. And it kind of reminds people like, oh yeah, you were gone for a year, weren't you? Versus, hey guys, I was gone, but I'm back and let me blow your minds now with this new content, right? And so you want to kind of shift their mindset from, hey, where were you to, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're back, right? And so starting off with a bang again and maybe even uh, running a contest or even batch processing episodes so that you get a little bit ahead of the game. In fact, that's the one thing that helped me more than anything to stay consistent was to think a little bit ahead of time in terms of what I was going to be creating content about because the last spot that you want to be in and the very, very common reason why people drop off is because you publish a podcast episode and then you're back in that cycle again. Okay. What am I going to do next week? I don't know. Let me think about this. And it takes a lot of brain power to think about that. What I like to do is I take moments during the quarter of each year and I think about, okay, in this upcoming quarter, let's start, let's start thinking about what those episodes are going to be about. Who might I want to connect with as a guest? 
what are we launching during that time and how might we have the podcast episode support that? That's another reason why we want to think ahead of schedule. And when you can do that, you are no longer in, oh my gosh, next week, what am, what am I going to record? You at least already have thought about it or have it listed so that you can just kind of get right into it and you're not losing those creative energies because it takes a lot of brain power to come up with stuff new versus you spent that time up front to do that, right? Invest time now to reap the benefits later. So that's that's what I'd recommend for um, for, for that. And if you drop off, just come back and, and, and then remain consistent. And if you want to create maybe a, a, a number of episodes in the, in the can so that you can stay consistent and start showing up on the marketing front, that's great. You can also now do seasons. Maybe you do purposefully do a certain number of episodes and then stop for a while so that you can batch record more and then come back again in the next season. And that's a great sort of middle ground where we could uh, focus um, and have energy for the podcast and then take a break and then come back stronger again the next season. Yeah, I, I'm a huge proponent of batch content. <laughs> I love yeah. batching stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, everything that I do, whether it be you know writing emails or uh, you know videos, um, you know I, I like to just sit down and just bang it out because I'm the type of person, if I have to do it every single week, like, oh, I'm going to do one video this week or two videos this week, and then the, the following week I have to do another two, like, I'll never get it done. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm the type of person that's like, I can be very inconsistent. So I'm like, let me just bang it out now so I don't have to deal with it later, you know, type mentality. Yeah. Um, are, are you the same? I, I, I am, and I like it because I can step into a container of time that I have on my schedule. It's like, okay, podcast time. It's not get this episode done time. It's just, this is the block of time I have for podcasting. And I try to play a game with myself to go, okay, well, within this container of time that I have in my schedule, which my calendar is my number one productivity tool, I go, okay, how many can I get done during this time? And then how far can I get? And oftentimes it's a number of different episodes that happen during that time. And I can check off more on my list than I even think sometimes when I approach it that way. And the, 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 the other thing about this is I have like specific days of the week where I do certain things. Tuesday is my recording day where I'm recording podcasts. And so I know waking up on a Tuesday that, hey, today's podcasting day after my live stream, I'm going to get into it, whether it's a solo show or me as a guest on another show or an interview or what have you, like I'm already prepared for that day and I can mentally get prepared before I actually have to do the thing. And that's a big productivity strategy as well. Yeah, no, I I do day theming and time blocking as well. Like if 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 today is you know what what is today? Today's Thursday, uh, and I have to you know I figure I need to write an email about something. I actually wait until Monday because Monday is my uh, writing day. So on Monday, I everything that I write that's on Monday. Uh, anything that I do like Tuesday is my video recording day. If I have to do if. I come up with any amount of video ideas that I want to record. I have to wait until Tuesday in order to do it. Um, and it actually worked out really well for me. Um, but let, 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 let me ask you. So there's, you know, in my opinion, anyway, I might be wrong. You're the expert. People that start a podcast. I, I think some of the reasons that they end up stopping uh, the podcast is because they can't figure out how to make money with it. Do you, do you feel or find that that's uh, true? I think, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the way to phrase it would be, it's just not worth their time anymore. Yeah. Right. Um, when you get over that initial excitement that happens, which is why it's worth your time because you're excited. It's something new um, because of how impatient all of us are with how conditioned we are to get results fast nowadays. 
it's very, very likely that people who start a podcast can get to that point where when money is not coming in, that becomes the excuse and we lose that excitement, right? So number one, we have to remember why we're doing this in the first place. And it's really important to think about that why when we're starting our show so that when, when push comes to shove and money isn't coming in, we can still remain consistent because it's going to take some time. It's going to take some time. There are ways and mechanisms to monetize your show, even outside of sponsors and advertising. That's where a lot of people go, oh, I need 50,000 downloads a month to get sponsors. Oh, man, like it's, I, it's so far out of reach. I can't make money. And then they give up because they're not there. Number one, sponsors are now getting smart about kind of relationship that podcasters have with their audience. It's such a strong relationship that recommendations go a very, very long way. So advertisers, a lot of them, especially if you have a um, private relationship outside of a third party company that manages this, you're able to actually have sponsors on your show, even with smaller download numbers and sponsors are only paying for the number of downloads. So they're not going to be paying as much and they're still getting value from you. So there's still possibilities for you as a smaller podcaster to get access to sponsors and advertisers, but I prefer affiliate marketing which is a way of generating a commission by recommending other people or other companies' products. If you could share proof, if you could show stories about how this product has helped you or others or your guest, it becomes a match made in heaven for your audience. And you've actually done them a service with affiliate marketing. That's that's how I want you to perceive affiliate market, marketing. You're doing your audience a service of curation. You, you are the expert curator. There's all these options out there. You are finding results in the products that actually make sense for them so that they don't have to waste time shopping around. You've done that work for them. And as a result, you can get paid at no extra cost to your customer. It's the company that's paying you, which is really cool. There's also the Patreon model or uh, you know, the membership model where people are fans and they're paying you to support you. Patreon is a great platform. I know a lot of podcasters who are making five figures a month with their fans who just want to support them. And I mean, even if, 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 even if we go back to Kevin Kelly's Thousand True Fans article from 2006, which was instrumental in helping me uh, when I first started, he basically teaches that, and this was in fact the inspiration for my book, Superfans, he says that you don't need a blockbuster hit to have, it a, have a successful career or successful business. You just need a thousand true fans. Imagine if you had a thousand true fans, just 1,000 in this world of 7 billion, a thousand true fans paying you $100 a year. That's less than $10 a month. A thousand times a hundred is a hundred thousand dollar business. And a podcast is an amazing platform to build these fans because they hear you, they're there with you when they're out on their run or on their walk or on the out at the gym or on their commute. They're listening to you in their ears and there's no distractions. There's just there's no way to exit. You you are with them, you're building a relationship with them, and that's really key. So yeah, a lot of people give up because they're not making money, but this is a long-term game. And number two, there are ways to make money faster. I, I just don't think a lot of people know about them. Yeah, I, I, I think affiliate marketing is is a huge, uh, you know, aspect of pretty much everything that I do, whether it be videos or podcasts or something like that. How how, do, how does someone get into affiliate marketing? Like, how do they find these products? Are there like some website out there that they can go to? What do they do? I mean, there are websites like ClickBank or Commission Junction where you can go, hey, Here's a whole list of products you can sign up as an affiliate, but oftentimes you see a lot of dirty internet marketing type things there. Or you might see that the highest selling thing is a chicken coop that you're going to like, are you going to sell a chicken coop to your audience? And in fact, that is a thing in ClickBank plans for a chicken coop. And it's one of the top selling items on ClickBank. But are you going to like promote that to your audience of entrepreneurs or stay at home moms or what have you? No, probably not. Um, although maybe a chicken coop is a good idea today because we're in the pandemic and you know some fresh eggs would be pretty cool. Yeah. But, <laughs> 
no, that, that, that that's that's not how I'd go about it because then you're starting with the commission. You need to start with the pains and the problems of your audience. What are their goals? What do they want? Find products that fit into that timeline. And if you have experience with these products, and that's where I would start. Start with products that you already have experience with because an important part of affiliate marketing is helping people understand that this thing actually works. It's not your product, it's somebody else's. So you have to work a little bit harder to have people earn that trust about this transaction because you're just sending them a link and then there's, they're, they're off to that company and hopefully they make a purchase. So showing people proof, showing people your own personal experience about products you already use that have helped you, well, then people see you use that, the mirror neurons take place, and then they go, hey, I want that too, or I want that same result. He got that tool, she got that tool, so I must get that tool too. And it can be a win for everybody, a win for you because you're making commission, a win for the company, they're getting a new uh, product, and a win for your listener because they're getting access to a thing that can help them that aligns with their goals. So start with the problem and the pain first, Solving people's problems is where it's at. Your earnings are a byproduct of how well you serve your audience. So that's where you need to start. Then you find the products from there. Maybe some of those products are your products. Maybe some of those products are other people's products. Either way, you serve that audience, you can get paid as a result. Do, do you think that you know we should wait some sort of time frame while doing uh, our podcasting? So maybe uh, 10 uh, episodes in before we start doing any type of affiliate marketing or looking for sponsors or anything like that? Or should we start right at the beginning? How do, you know What should we do there? If I had a cure for a disease you had, but I said, you know what? I'm going to wait till I get to episode 10 to tell you about <laughs> it. That's kind of weird, right? And again, yeah. I'm just repositioning why we are offering products. It's not about us. It's not about making money. It's about serving this audience. And if you have a product and a thing that you know can help people, why wait? I would put it into episode one. We have this negative sort of connotation of, you know, hey, making money is bad. But what if making money meant you were actually helping people, right? So how can we do this? Well, in our first episode, let's talk about, you know, let's teach a process from from A to Z, and then you know, letter G happens to be a tool that I use that I can recommend. Am I gonna go, no, I'm not gonna tell you about that tool, but you kind of need it to do this thing, but I'm not gonna tell you about it yet. No, that that just doesn't make sense, right? So um, that's that's my position on that. Yeah, well, why do you think you know some people not want to recommend stuff? Because like I, I've actually come up uh, with clients of mine and, and people on my YouTube channel and so forth that they don't want to recommend uh, anything to anybody um you know they, they believe in the product they or they say that they believe in the product but they don't want to kind of be the salesperson. What what are your thoughts on that it's usually because of prior engagements with people who have sold to them and how negative they felt and they're worried about becoming that kind of person but we have to work we have to remember that those people didn't have our best interest at heart these people didn't dive into who we were and what our pains were you are different you are going to do that and so remember, you're taking the position of helping people. And you can still, one thing I like to do to sort of soften the sale, if you want to call it that, is to, I like to teach and provide so much value that when I make that offer or recommendation, it's just a natural part of the conversation, right? Or a natural conclusion to that conversation versus, okay, guys, and now um, this like nervous moment in the middle of the show where I'm going to start talking about a product now and the tone changes. No, the tone doesn't change because it's just a part of the conversation, if that makes sense. I think people are worried because they don't want to be perceived as being selly. But what if you were perceived as being servy? Mm. That's, I don't know, um, as helpful. 
right? And if you can be helpful, whether you mention a product or not, you train your audience to take your recommendations for free things, for paid things, for, for everything, right? I now have people who have been so conditioned to know that I've been able to serve them with products that even aren't mine, that have been helpful, that when a new product comes out, they often come to me first and go, hey, Pat, I'd love to get this product. Do you have an affiliate link for it? Because I want to pay you back for it, for all that you've done. That's the kind of effect that you want, where people can see that they can help you out by taking these things and actually going through these links and supporting you. And again, if it comes from a place of service and you know that this thing has helped people, well, then you're going to feel a lot more confident. I think that's where we often worry. It's like, well, what if people purchase this and then the, and then this doesn't work out? Well, then you haven't done your research enough to know that this product is worth recommending, in my opinion. So if, if you were going to start a podcast today, so let, let's just say um, a woman wants to, you know, she's really big into prepping and she wants to find other mothers that are also into prepping and she wants to do a podcast for them. What type of research do I do in order to find that specific audience? I would have conversations with other people who I already have access to, to see where they're going, where are they finding other people like that? I would go to Facebook groups to understand what clusters of people are out there on the internet already. And Ask them questions like, who are you listening to? Who are you getting your information from? I want them to tell me where to go instead of trying to find and guess it on my own because then I can understand where the community is actually being held. And then I would try to connect with those community leaders. In fact, one of my favorite strategies relates to focusing on Facebook groups and not the Facebook group itself, the leaders of those Facebook groups and connecting with those people because if I can invite them on my show, either share a quick tip or even full-on interview them, it's very likely that number one, they're going to say yes, because they don't, they don't often get that love. They've been working so hard for this community. They'd love to share and show off the community. So I'm giving them a platform for that. And number three, I'm making them look like a hero in such a way that they will then take that episode and share it with their people in that group. And now I'm not coming in a group and spamming my episodes. Now the founder of these groups are coming in and promoting that episode for me. Why? Because they're featured in it. And as any leader likes to look good in front of their people. And you have given them access to your asset, your podcast in order to do that. And this is how a lot of my students in my course, they're just literally using that strategy alone, LinkedIn groups, Facebook groups, et cetera, to just crush it with numbers. Because now the person that everybody trusts already is the one recommending the show instead of you going into one of these groups which um, you know you just get the cold shoulder or you get banned because it's like, hey, even if you have great content, you're coming in here and you're spamming and that's not cool versus having the founder of that group or an admin or a moderator or somebody who's trusted in that group be the one to recommend that show. And that strategy has worked so, so well. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely does work. Uh, do you believe that you should, like when you're doing a show that you should be niching down like really, really deep instead of like, you know, if I want to do a podcast on digital marketing, should I have a podcast all on digital marketing or should it be like super, super specific? If you have a podcast on digital marketing, it's going to take you years to get to that point where people will start to see you as the go-to expert because there's a lot of go-to experts in that space already. And what's funny is if you choose to go the more general route, what's going to happen is you're going to have a few episodes that stand out. And you're going to become known for those few episodes because those are the that you found your voice you found that little niche within that bigger niche and it's going to take you a long time to get there if you can focus instead on niching down now as i like to say the riches are in the niches even though i know it's pronounced niches but it doesn't rhyme as well <laughs> so the riches are in the niches when you niche down and i think people don't do this because they're worried well hey that means i'm leaving all these other people out no that means you're better serving and you can become the go-to favorite for these people faster 
And then you have the option of either once that audience starts to grow and you start to become known because there's less competition, because you're speaking the right language, because people have that exact pain and that exact problem that you are solving for, then you have choices. Then you can go what I like to call vertical and help that audience. Now you don't only have a podcast for them, you have a podcast and a course and a coaching program and a membership all for those little that, that little group of people, but you are the go-to resource and you've served them in all the different kinds of ways that you can, or you can expand horizontally and go from one inch wide, one mile deep to two inches wide, one mile deep. So maybe you started with people who run marathons specifically, and then now you're going into people who now run ultra marathons, right, to help out versus just fitness in general and running as a part of that uh, part of that equation, right? Like if if you, like the fitness example is the best one, right? It's like, hey, if I have a general fitness website, some people want to lose weight, some people want to gain weight, some people are interested in nutrition, some people are interested in strength training. Like there's so many different uh, buckets, and with the podcast. You want people to, when they listen to an episode, to go, oh my gosh, I can't wait to listen to that episode. I know no matter what, it's going to be relevant to me. And that's a struggle that I've had on YouTube, in fact, is all my content is different for different groups of people. So as a result, my subscribers, yes, they subscribe, but then they don't always watch the, the next videos as opposed to on, on a podcast. Every person knows every episode is going to be of value to them because it's specifically related to them. And that's the approach I would start with, at least, in your podcasting career. And then you can branch out from there vertically or horizontally. Yeah, you know when I, uh, I I've got the whole Karma Cashflow podcast, uh, and when I, when I first started, it was like kind of all over the place. I was talking about email marketing, I was talking about this, talking about that, and it wasn't until honestly two weeks ago before I was like, you know what, this is what I'm gonna do, mm-hmm. uh, and you know decided to like really really niche down. Uh, and I, I've recorded probably about a dozen episodes already uh, for the podcast that is gonna actually start going out this week. So. Nice, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in, in podcasting, once, you know, someone puts a podcast episode out, what do they do? Should they be doing any type of like real marketing or paid advertising to drive traffic to that episode? Paid advertising doesn't work as well in the podcasting space, because if you think about it, and when we think about paid advertising, we think about places like Facebook or Instagram, right? But people aren't on Facebook or Instagram to number one, get interrupted about a podcast episode that they then have to leave that app for to then subscribe and listen to. It's a lot of friction, right? As opposed to my best strategy for marketing your podcast is actually connecting with other people who have groups of people who would benefit from that show. Um, So how might you connect with other industry leaders? Who might you connect with who might share this show and put it out there? And in terms of marketing after a show is live, yes, repurposing some of it is a smart strategy, taking clips of it, sharing it on social media, all those sorts of things are great. However, the struggle with that is a lot of people will spend more time repurposing than actually creating their show. And when you repurpose your stuff and you share it on social media or on your other existing channels, guess what happens? The the same people who already know that show exists are the ones that are seeing that. And that's a great reminder for them to go and listen to that show. It might entice them, especially if they weren't gonna listen to it anyway, but we're not finding new people in that way. And for me, finding new people, is not about paying for ads. It's about actually setting up things before the interview or the episodes are even out, right? It's about gaining momentum for that show beforehand, or it's about who I actually connect with on that show and how that is relevant. For example, I did an interview in episode uh, 96 of the podcast. It was uh, how artists can make money online, specifically artists like musicians or painters and sculptors, like those kind of artists. 
And I was actually really worried about that episode because it was very, very specific. And you want to talk about niching down. Most of my audience are not that. That's a very, very small part of my audience. And I was worried that I was sort of like, you know, not going to get some good results. That year that I published that episode, that episode was the most popular podcast episode of the year. And the reason was because I interviewed a person named Corey Huff who was specifically speaking to these artists about how to monetize online. And although I didn't have a large audience of artists in my audience, a lot of my audience knew artists and would share that show. A lot of people in the art community found this episode as a result of that, uh, that sharing. And then it started to get viral on forums related to artists. Hey guys, you should listen to this podcast episode. This guy's interviewing this other guy. Like they didn't even know who I was. And now I'm reaching new audiences as a result of the specific topic that I chose. So it's not just about, hey, after this episode's out, let me try to force it into everybody. It's like, how can I hone in on the episode itself in such a way that it will it will have legs the moment it comes out? And getting into a niche market like that is great. Getting connected with another uh, person, like a forum group owner who's gonna share it in their group is great. Another uh, way to do it would be to have sort of a collaboration with somebody where, hey, you're on my show, I'm on your show, we can go from there. That's a great way to grow as well. So a lot of this is actually the marketing happens before the episode actually comes out. And if you do it right, you actually have less work to do on the opposite end and you can focus on more of what you want to focus on, which is that um, content creation. Yeah, that that's great insight. You know, I, I'm, I'm the type of person, I like using advertising, paid advertising for just about everything. Um, and uh, that, that's how I've built a lot of my businesses, utilizing paid ads. And I, I've come to realize um, in recent times that, you know, for certain things like building a YouTube channel for, you know, podcasting and so forth, it may not be the best, you know, choice. And, um, I've, I've had to really struggle with that. You know, it can happen. I mean, it's not impossible. Uh, I think that in the podcasting world, if you were to pay money, I would pay, like if, if I was on your podcast, right, I could pay you money for you to advertise it to your audience. Right, because on Facebook, for example, it's gonna throttle how many of your audience sees it unless you boots a post or something, right? And I could pay you for that. I would rather have you get that money from me so that you can boost that post and show it to more of your audience. Thus, more people who you know who trust you will find me. That's how I would how I would run those ads, if that makes sense. Or if a person is on my show, I might pay them to advertise it onto their, or even just pay them to post it on their platform. Um, Podcast to podcast advertising is also really smart too because people, they're already listening to a podcast. And if you've paid a podcaster to share, hey, go listen to this podcast, to my podcast, um, they're getting that endorsement. They're getting paid a little bit. That's where I would spend my money. I wouldn't spend it on uh, more text-based or integrated ads with social media. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I won't be doing any advertisements for my podcast anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, kind of a uh, personal thing uh, because I teach a lot of things like financial education uh, on top of uh, you know how to build businesses online and so forth what does the legal side of podcasting look like like do I need some sort of disclaimer do I need to have an attorney uh, write something out that I need to share on the podcast like what does that look like for people like me that might be talking about kind of sensitive subjects I mean, it depends, right? And I think having an attorney uh, as a resource is always helpful for everything. You know, just if you have somebody in mind uh, that can help you with that stuff, it's always great just to get a professional's opinion on something. I am not a professional lawyer or an attorney or anything like that. So just this is my opinion. I think having that as a resource is great. And in some cases, you will need 
a disclaimer, especially if you're talking about medical related things and whatnot. And again, I would check with an attorney for that. Um, and then the legal aspect of podcasting that I'm more concerned about is when people use music that they don't own or not royalty-free music in their show, that happens a lot. And even if you get your favorite band to sign off and actually play music and you have a contract, I mean, that contract can end or that license can end. It's gonna cost money. And then once that license ends, you gotta take everything down or re republish everything. This actually happened to Michael Hyatt. He used a Switchfoot song, I think, in one of his shows because it was matching the title of his show. But then as soon as that license deal ended, he was forced to take it down entirely. And it's like, that's kind of crazy. Um, and then there's also, in, 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 in our course, we teach you know the best practice when you are gonna be interviewing somebody to have some way, shape or form to have uh, acknowledgement from that person, whether it's a contract or within an email or even within voice before you uh, publish an episode, like that they're allowed to use that voice and use it in, in their podcast or even use it in other products down the road too. So yeah, I'm not a huge, uh, resource on legal related things, but in many cases it's best and worth checking if, if it is something that, that, um, is a sensitive topic for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's something that I have been thinking about that. I'm like, you know, I've had my attorneys deal with some stuff for, uh, the YouTube channel, but I haven't had them, you know, really look at anything for the podcast side of things. Uh, it's something that I was really, really considering. Uh, you mentioned your, your, um, your course. Can you tell our audience a little bit about your, your two courses, what they entail? Um, you know, which one is for beginners and so forth? Yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Uh, so power up podcasting at poweruppodcasting.com is the one-on-one course to help you from scratch, uh, launch your show and also market it. That's sort of my unique angle in this space of teaching podcasting is I can help people get found, right? Putting the marketing behind it, even on day one having a launch plan for you built into there. And we take you through process of pre-launch, getting things set up, honing in on your, your strategy, honing in on what your show is going to be about, making sure that you do have unlimited amounts of content that you could talk about, understanding how you're going to edit, all that stuff I show you just hand in hand how to do that. Then we go into launch week, which is where every day, seven days before launch, you actually have a set of instructions on how to mobilize your network, how to put everything on directories and how to get get ready to, uh, for your launch day. And then uh, post-launch, which is, okay, afterwards, how do we start to automate some of this stuff? How do we start to build an email list? Monetization is a, is, is a big module within the course as well, and that'll take you through that. And then my 201 course called Amped Up Podcasting. Like I said earlier, the A stands for automation, so you could take yourself out of that process or even hire somebody or another agency to edit your show for you and do all the work so that all you have to do, and this is what I have in my my business now, which I absolutely love, I just conduct the interviews or record the solo shows and I just pop those into Dropbox. Everything else is off my hands, including publishing, show notes, graphics, everything is everything else is done. And that's ultimately where you want to be. But for some, they still have to do it on their own and I still can continue to help you optimize your processes from there. Then the marketing and also the profiting and turning your business into a pod or your podcast into a business from there. So it's served thousands of people and I'm stoked and I'm just uh, thankful for the opportunity to share it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it, it's fantastic. Um, before we go, uh, I want to ask you some rapid style uh, fire questions, uh, rapid fire style questions. Yeah. Uh, is, is that cool? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So number one, favorite food of all time? Buffalo wings. Oh, Medium, nice. extra wet with ranch dressing. Mm. Where's your favorite place? What's my favorite what? Where's your favorite place to eat them? 
you know, uh, there's a place called Epic Wings or uh, here in uh, the West Coast. I don't know if you all have it where, where you're at, but Epic Wings is great. Um, sort of a, I think a, a Wings and Things is also what it's known as too. But it's, it's amazing, yeah. Awesome. Uh, number one place in the world that you have visited? Huh. So I went to um, Lisbon, Portugal on a trip to go and speak. And it was my first time in Europe ever. And I think because I had studied architecture and I studied Europe uh, quite extensively, the architecture of Europe, um, actually seeing that kind of work in person and being in a uh, European town like that, it's uh, it was it was very breathtaking for sure. And I just spent, you know, most people were looking for me the whole time, but I was just walking around the city um, looking up the entire time and it, I had such a blast. So I, I definitely want to get back to Europe. I've only been back one other time to go to London to see my friend, Chris Ducker. Um, but I love European architecture. Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, YouTube or blog? Uh, YouTube. Uh, I think that both are great and uh, I have to give credit to my blog because that's what helped me get started. But YouTube and the multimedia and the video and the audio and the, uh, all the creative stuff that you can do. That's what I love about YouTube the most just get super creative with B-roll and storytelling and just camera angles and all that stuff. It's so much fun. So YouTube. All right. Uh, YouTube or podcast? Podcast. I got to say, especially <laughs> when it comes to getting started from scratch, podcast would be my recommendation. Advertise to cold traffic. Yes or no? No, I don't. I, I've done that before. I would much rather spend time building relationships with people and have any traffic come in and I already know who I am and what I'm about. Awesome. Uh, favorite movie of all time. Back to the future. <laughs> Shocking, right? <laughs> uh, favorite quote from that movie. If you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. And also roads where we're going, we don't need roads. Yeah. that That's my favorite actually. <laughs> uh, what is one of the top things that you would put on your bucket list? It would be to, so two things. Number one, to buy a DeLorean to, to, to continue this Back to the Future theme, which is just not practical right now, which is the only thing stopping me. Um, I will likely be doing a video interview show in a DeLorean at some point in my life. That's 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 the idea. Um, call, it, uh, call it like Back in Time or uh, something like that. Uh, anyway, my other, my other big bucket list item would be to uh, have a conversation and just chat with Elon Musk. He's somebody who's really inspiring to me right now with how possible everything is in, is in his brain. And when I started business, I was getting in my own way all the time. I thought everything was impossible. And he just has this, I mean, he's built so many amazing things and still continues to do so. Things that are incredible, like absolutely unbelievable things that he's been able to do. And I want to unpack his brain and, and, and learn more about his um his his thought process and his um you know just the way he does what he does yeah absolutely uh last question number one person you most admire in any field my wife this said maybe a cop-out answer but oh my god like she is such a trooper for everything she's been able to do she sacrificed everything to be a stay-at-home mom and be here with the kids and focus on investing her time up front with them so that we could reap the benefits of a good relationship with the kids in the future. Hopefully um, her support of me, she does so much more work to take care of the kids in the house 24 seven 
seven days a week, 365 days a week, uh, a year, uh, a year with literally no recognition. She's not on Twitter. She's not really on social media. She, she doesn't do this for likes. She does it because this is what is important to her and to me. And she is the backbone of this family. She is why I'm able to show up every day. She is why I'm able to go and travel out and speak. She's why our business is successful and why we're living the life we are. So much credit to April, my wife. Wow. You, you know, that's probably the best answer that I've heard <laughs> someone give me. Um, if, if you were to ask me the same question, I'd probably end up saying the exact same thing. That's awesome. Um, where can people find you, Pat? Uh, you could find me, if you're watching this uh, now, you could probably best find me on YouTube. In fact, I'm about to go live in about 25 minutes. And I have a special guest coming on my episode today too, which is really interesting. So that'll be fun. Uh, Pathlin.com slash the income stream would be the place to go and check out the upcoming stream today where we're going to be talking about side hustles, in fact. And I uh, would be found on smartpassiveincome.com, of course, and Pat Flynn on most social media platforms. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Pat, for being here. I super, super appreciate it. I, I hope that uh, everybody has gotten value from this. Uh, talk about podcasts. Um, I, I, again, really, really appreciate it, Pat. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Take care, everybody. Peace. Right. Peace.